Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, man, the Tampa Bay Lightning season is over and the Washington Capitals are headed to the Stanley Cup final. What happened to the NHL's highest scoring team, which was shut out? For nearly their final eight periods, we break down the Bolts' crushing 4 to nothing loss in Game 7 on Wednesday. In the Rays, they get a well-pitched game from Chris Archer against the Red Sox, but Alex Colomay allows a three-run rally in the ninth. They lose 4-1. to one. And finally, the NFL has a new national anthem policy, but did the league really take a stand? All that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Burstick. Before we get started, let me tell you about an offer from Audible.com. Sign up now and get a free 30-day trial. That's a $15 value. And as a listener to this podcast, you get a free audiobook. Just go to audibletrial.com slash sportsday. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash sportsday for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. Well, Steve, a little advice to uh, families out there. Don't lay down big money and take two little girls under the age of nine to game seven if you think you're not going to see a goal. Goodness gracious. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, give us something here, man. Uh, What happened to the Lightning? What happened to their offense? I mean, you got to go back, what is just 33 shies of eight, 33 seconds shy of eight periods. Remember Ryan Callahan's goal early in game five in the second period there. Well, actually, and, uh, so, so actually, yeah, Ryan Callahan's goal was the last one. Yeah. The last time they shot a puck into the net <laughs> was in the first yeah. period of Game 5 because, remember, Callahan's went off the, his glove, off the Stromberg shot. Yeah, it was just kind of a of a muff, you know, kind of a fluky-type goal, but, it, yeah, it wasn't off his sticks per se. Um, yeah, they just they went completely dry. I mean, it's incredible. And in this game, you know, the other thing is, Okay, so you got game seven. You worked all year, and we talked about home ice, and it hasn't really made uh, much difference. In, in fact, uh, just the opposite during all these playoffs if you look at all the, the teams in, in total. But we, we said, well, game seven, that's where home ice might have a factor. And, you know, the Lightning were 3-0 and in, in their franchise history in game sevens at, at home. Um, and then, you know, boom, within the first minute, you give up a just a laser beam from Alex Alex Ovechkin, and it just kind of it, it just kind of sucks the air out of the building before they really had a chance to get started. Yeah, a minute into the game, maybe a missed penalty in the neutral zone, and they turned it over. The Capitals capitalized. Ovechkin that was a heck of a shot that he drilled. Oh from, man, what a what just a inside the blue line on the left side, um, and he put everything into that. And you could see the emotion on his face afterwards, um, yep. just screaming out. Uh, but yeah, it took the air out of the building. I mean, th- that building was electric. It was ready to pop. It was mm-hmm. you know, you're looking for a fast start. And, and the shame of it is the Lightning actually played pretty well the rest of they the first played, period. Listen, for a period and a half, I thought they were the they were the dominant team. Yeah, I, I really believe that they they could not have have really uh, played a, a much cleaner game um, other than giving up that that goal. They had a lot of great chances. And, and See, how about the Yanni, about the Yanni Gord chance? Yeah. That was the whole game to me. I mean, they have a chance to tie in the second. If you haven't seen it, I'm sure you'll see the replays 100,000 times between now and next October. But 
Yanni Gord uh, on a great play by by Victor Hedman, just a great move. But he ends up with you know he's in the crease. Um, you know it's a wide open net. Puck's just and sitting somehow. There. Puck's just sitting there and he misses from point blank yeah. range. Now Orpic and it was was kind of hitting a stick a little bit, and I think that threw it off. But first of all, Victor Hedman came down the left side, waited oh, out Holtby, went behind him, and then threw the puck in front of the net, knowing Yanni Gord was crashing. And, and it just went over Yanni Gord's stick, and he missed it. And it, was, it should have been 1-1 at that point, which would have been a completely different game than what happened because that building would have popped. I mean, it would have. Well, and that's the thing. Momentum, I mean, you have to create your, you know, they look, it came down to this. They didn't bury their chances, and they mm-hmm. had a lot of chances. I looked up at one point, I think, in the second period, and they had 22 shots to maybe, like, 12 mm-hmm. or 14 or something like that. Yep. I mean, it was like they were – they had won 60% of the face-offs. Any category you could name, with the exception of the score, um, you know, and then, of course, they give up another goal and it's 2 nothing. And that second goal, you know, pretty much was uh, was the end game. And I that, mean, was, a, that feel... was a fluke goal. I mean, the, the puck was, was hit up. Girardi tra- tried to put it down. It kind of bounced on him, and Burakovsky took it off – took it away from him and, and you know – went right at uh, uh, Vasilevsky in a breakaway and got it by him. I mean, you know, it's bad puck luck. That happens in a game. Um, but unfortunately, because you gave up the earlier goal and you weren't bearing your chances, now you're down 2 nothing in game seven. Yeah, and that's that now you're desperate and, and um, you know, and of course they give up a third goal as well. But And, and I didn't think – look, I didn't think Vasilevsky had much of a chance on, on a lot on two and of any those, those probably. Really. I mean, yeah, maybe, I maybe the, the Ovechkin because the distance it was from, but – the two Burakowski yeah. breakaways were, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, you've got no Stop time them. to react when you're that well. But but when you're that close, you've got no time to react. You're you're no, making I a guess what they're going to do. Blame the goaltender, but it'd be nice if he came up with a huge save. Sure, sure. Look, there was a, there was, and this is true. We've talked about this. Seven games is like the perfect amount of games to find out who's better. Mm-hmm. And there's as it turns out, we talked, we went back and forth on this during the series. But the Capitals were just better. Look at their wins. They, they won three times in Tampa, and all three of them were dominant, dominant wins, as was game six. I mean, I, I They dominated five them. of the games. Yes. Although, although, I, I don't think they dominated tonight. Nah, well, okay. They dominated the third I, period when, when the Lightning, it took about ten minutes for them to get their first shot in the third period when you're down 3-0. Yeah, That's and they, were, they played That's a perfect pre, yes. pre-vet defense. Yes. With the first two lead. periods, I thought the Lightning outplayed the Capitals, although the Capitals were leading. In the third period, yeah. the Capitals shut it down. And they, they, but they, you never got text, a sense, It was textbook though. shut down by the Capitals yeah, in the you, third period. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was well done. You never got a sense, though, that – I mean, and I, I admit, the, I thought the Lightning outplayed them for a, a period and period and a half. They were mm-hmm. down one nothing, mm-hmm. But you never really got a sense that the Lightning were in this game. You know, I mean, they were on the scoreboard, and they were playing well, and you kept waiting for them to tie it up, and then we mentioned Gord's chance. Um, after that, though, I mean, 4 nothing. you know, it's like the game was closer than the score. It doesn't matter. It no, doesn't it doesn't matter. matter. Like, it doesn't matter. Look at, the, look at the scores of the games that, you know, that the Caps won. I mean, I think overall this was – the Capitals were a better hockey team, and that's a hard thing probably to swallow if you're the Lightning, you know, because I'm sure they felt like this was their year. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out it was the Capitals' year. Well, John Cooper they, talked about it in the postgame. He said – because someone asked him about, you know, hey, after you beat Boston, you know, in five games in Jersey and then Boston, and did you think it was your year? And he says, yeah, but I think Washington thought the same thing. I mean, both both teams thought it was their year. I mean, Washington finally beats Pittsburgh, and 
You know, uh, you know. Sure, I think they, yeah. they thought. I think they thought that, but Washington's thinking the same. Look, before the series, and we talked about it. I thought the Lightning was the better team, and on paper, I, I might still believe that. Deeper, but in seeing, the, but in seeing them play you know. seven games, Washington's a better team. And that's what I mean. That's just a hard just thing like to just ad- like I think you know Winnipeg's a better team than Vegas, right. but when you watch that series, Vegas was the better team. No, they proved it. They proved mm-hmm. it on the ice, and you mm-hmm. and, and these teams could can, can continue to play. And I think Washington would have the upper hand, no matter how many games you want to pick. I mean, yeah. and whether and, it's just a hard. matchup, whether it's just you know, I mean, yeah. Washington, you know, Tampa Bay struggled with Washington traditionally, much like they struggled with Boston. Although they were able to figure that out and beat them four straight to win that series after losing dropping the first game, but uh, you know, well, let's talk about let's talk about that for a second because matchups are a big thing, and mm-hmm. and, and you know. It's true in football too. Uh, I can go back to the Bucks in two thousand and two. I didn't think the Bucks were really the best team in football that year. I don't think anybody did. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened was what had happened was the Giants went out to San Francisco and absolutely should have won that game, yep. and they they got beat in you know in, in horrific fashion. And I think the Giants were a heavy team that the Bucks would have struggled with. Yep. Uh, downhill running, play action passing, physical defense, all those things. And because San Francisco won, they were another West Coast offense that they saw every day in practice, a little more finesse, and the Bucks defense beat the living crap out of them. Yep. Right? And then, you know, the, we know what happened in Philadelphia, which was always their albatross, and, you know, there was reasons why the Bucks got over on them, in part because of John Gruden, and they played them early in the year, and they learned some things about them. Um, but the matchup was huge in that in that in that round with San Francisco, and maybe if the Capitals don't show up and it's Pittsburgh, ironically, maybe maybe the Lightning fare better and end up winning and going to the Stanley Cup. Just didn't happen. But but now here's the thing: the Caps, you know they've they've been good for a while. They they've mm-hmm. had collapses of their own. It's hard to believe that Ovechkin, as great as he is, has not made it to a Stanley Cup final. You almost feel good for the guy. Um, because he just dominated, you know, he took over the series. I mean, he willed that that hockey team. That's what a superstar does. Yes. Meanwhile, what happened to the Lightning superstars? What happened to Kucherov and and and, and in five on five hockey, not the one timers and the power play, but Steven Stamkos? And how come, you know, is it the construction of this team? I mean, they had a lot of shots um, on Wednesday night, and but they got one shot because. There was nobody that was close enough to to get the rebound. They were pushed around anywhere. They anytime they got near the net, they were getting shoved, and it just didn't seem like they could stand up in there with with the Capitals. and And I'm just wondering, like, you know, do you just do you just say, well, they're better this year, and and maybe next year we don't see them? I mean, it's not like the Capitals are leaving the Eastern Conference. So what did, what did we learn about the way this team is constructed, and or how you, how did they get shut out? I mean, I know Braden Holpe played well at times, very well, but to have to pitch two shutouts in elimination games back to back, this team was shut out what one time, one time in the regular season, in the regular season, and now twice in a row during elimination games. I mean, that's there's something missing here. I don't know what it is, but it it, it screams of, hey, wait a minute, how did th- how did that happen? I, I think there's a few things. I think, you know, one, they picked a bad time to go cold. I mean, you know, uh, how many shots did they take to hit off the crossbar? The, 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 yeah, the, but the that's every game, stuff? right? No, no, sure it is. But 
you know, we've talked about this since you know well before the playoffs that Stamkos and Kucherov on the same line, it's fine in the regular season. It doesn't work in the playoffs. It does not work in the playoffs. They're not good enough defensively together. And, and you're not going to get and, those and passes and they're, and they're, across yeah, the middle those, of the ice. Those passes that you get during the regular season don't work in the playoffs. They all get tipped. Every one of them. They did it again um, last night. Mm-hmm. Kucherov and Stamkos tried a couple of those, and they, they never made it across center ice. Now, the, the physical play of Washington, you know, look, I think, you know, you're talking about, you know, was one team better than the other, and you mentioned the Bucks from, you know, the matchups and all that. You know, for instance, in the West Western Conference, I think Winnipeg's a better team than Vegas, but I think Winnipeg was spent after take, going seven games with Nashville and beating the crap out of each other that, I, that Winnipeg looked tired in that series. Now, Okay, but did, that wasn't the did, Lightning's problem. Well, they, no, no, they won well, their two series in five games. But were they spent from the Boston series, which was very physical, overcoming the, the five games? Of that? I, I don't know. I'm not saying it is. I'm saying that you look at, you, you said, what did we learn? Well, or is it just that because Washington's even a heavier, deeper team than Boston, who's got one scoring line and hits some, but not like Washington does, that the Lightning's just not built to withstand that? Let, let me that ask may you a question. Part of it. Yeah. Let me ask you a question because I think Eiserman has had success with these guys and, and they keep coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you got a lot of little guys on this, on this hockey team. I know mm-hmm. they're fast and they mm-hmm. like their speed, and that plays great during a regular season. It really does. Yep. When you can go out there and, and win six to four every night, you know, that's fantastic. When you get into playoff hockey, all that doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you're not just skating free, and you've and you got a bunch of guys that get knocked off the puck. You know, I, I mean, look at all the small guys on this hockey team. It's, I'm just asking the question, you know. It's, it's, you a fair to... que- it's a fair question. And, one of, you know, at the trade deadline, what were we saying about when they got J.T. Miller? Yeah, J.T. Miller and Vladimir probably give you about the same offensive output in that. But we, we upgraded size, and we got somebody who, right. can, who can deliver some more hits and be a little heavier and bigger. We, we right. were thrilled about that. Um, you right. know, I think the Chris Kunitz signing is a you know was a, a good one in that regard. That you know a little right. heavier than, than and a bigger guy. Not and, the biggest. Not the biggest. Not the, guy, not the but biggest. Yeah. But he plays bigger. He plays big. He plays but that's big. like saying Cal. You know their most physical guy is Ryan right. Callahan. Sure, he's not a big dude. Yeah, but I mean you know t- you know Tony Sorelli's not physical at all. Uh, and no. he he may grow. So, I mean, you know, he's what nineteen, twenty years old. He's yeah, still he's going to get heavier. Now. Yeah, um, I get that. But yeah, it, I think it's a fair question to look at after the series of, you know, every single you know it, it seems like, and it's not true, but it seems like every single guy is Tyler Johnson size coming up, doesn't it? That's you know, what I mean. You yeah. got so many guys, Tyler Johnson, Yanni Gord, and you know all these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know they're they're all tough. And Tony Sorelli and and you know Corey Conacher, yeah. and they're all they're all the same you know, mold or whatever. And, and it's right. But there's you know, too many of them. There's are they developing enough, you know, Andre Palats or Alex Kalorns or, you know, and, and you could say, although I, I just, thought Kalorn had a really good game tonight, but I thought he had a pretty bad playoffs well. overall. Um, yeah. Started the first couple games fine. And, but he, I thought he played well tonight when he put him on a line with Stamkos and Kucherov and all of a sudden he was playing a lot better. Right. Well, you, that might be true of a lot of players. Well, it but, is, it is, but I, but I, didn't, yeah. I didn't think I didn't think Kucherov had a. It bad was his game. best. I thought game. I thought it Kucherov had a pretty game. bad series, but I thought he did okay tonight. I, I wouldn't say great, but I thought Kucherov was he was definitely more engaged than he was the last couple games. Yeah. Well, he had nowhere to go but up after Game Six. You know, that's the thing. I mean, they're going to look back at this and they're going to say, "Well," and I believe I believe the Caps were a better team. I think everybody in that, in, in in that Lightning room probably. And they were all 
saying you got to give those guys credit. I mean, they were, you know, but by the same token, I don't know that any of them believed that the Caps were going to be were better. I think they proved it on the ice, obviously. Um, but there's something about what happens between the regular season and the postseason. They swallow the whistles, man. How many penalties did you they see mi- called in the last they, three games? They, after the last three games, they absolutely swallowed the, the, the whistles, except for things like too many men on the ice, although they missed one against Washington tonight when they had seven guys Delay on the a game. Um, yeah, or, but, you know, you stick know. penalties. You know, you trip somebody with yeah, your stick high, and things like that, stick. or high-sticking. Any other penalty, they were not calling anything tonight. And it was no. there were some egregious penalties. And, and, and Lightning got away with a couple, too. It wasn't I'm, just on the Capitals. But there were some egregious penalties that you're going, what the heck? I agree. I agree. And, and, and the thing is, so they, they were letting happens, this go, and they right? called one on Braden Point two minutes into the game, which was which was tame compared to the ones that both teams got away with throughout the game. And you're like, why did they but call that e- penalty when you weren't you're not going to call anything else tonight? Right, it wasn't consistent, but you can expect that in playoff sure, hockey, right? Sure. You can expect that the deeper they go, look, there's not a lot of flags in Super Bowls. Okay, no. there's just not. If you think guys aren't holding, well, you're not watching because they are. Um, but. You know, there is this sort of mentality of we don't want to be the reason a team wins or loses. And in hockey, but I think think when you don't call penalties, you become the reason too. Well, you do. You do because you let the heavier team, the more aggressive team, the the team that likes to grab and clutch and, and, you know, do everything wrong, uh, you, you allow them to get the upper hand on you. But that's what I'm saying. That's not, that's to be expected in, in the playoffs, whether it's hockey or anywhere else. Mm hmm. Um, that they're not going to call as much. They're going to let more things go because they want you to decide it on the ice. Well, that means five on five. And, again, the style is great during the regular season, you know, when you're playing a team that's coming off a back-to-back from Miami. Um, but it, it's not so great when, and when everything's even, when everybody has the same days between travel, everybody plays the same amount of home games, you know, and and the referees absolutely swallow their whistles. I mean – I think as big as much as anything, the reason why they didn't score all those periods is because they never got no freaking power plays. And how much of their mm-hmm. offense all year long is based on the power play? A good bit of it. Although, although yeah. I believe you know, I, I I may have this number wrong, but they were definitely one of the top teams five on five this year. I don't think they were a couple years ago. They were the best team five on five in the regular season. This year, they, I don't think they were the best, but they were up there. I mean, they scored well, again. They scored what seventeen more goals than any other team in hockey. I mean, they were yeah. they averaged over three and a half goals a game this year. Oh, they could score. They outscored everybody. But, again, uh, you know, how teams play you, you know, when you're allowed to skate free up and down the ice in the regular season versus the postseason, you know, it, it, you don't see six to four wins anymore. You know, it's it's much tighter than that. Tighter checking, tighter – it's a 200-foot game. Yeah. But the other thing, too, and, tonight and, – and Phil Esposito has been saying this, and I know Brian Emblong was saying this up in the press box, too, is, you know, the Lightning's defense the last few games – giving way too much space to Washington and they're backing into their zone, not standing them up at the blue line when they're entering. And, and that That's gave, right. that gave Washington a lot of opportunities and more space to shoot the puck at the net and actually get shots through where the lightning shots were all getting blocked because you know, they, they, they don't back into the zone. They attack you right. when you come in the zone where the lightning tend to back off. So who's in charge of the defense? That'd be Rick bonus. Well, I'd be looking for a new guy. You got to wonder what changes Steve Heiserman's going to make. Um, this team's made the well, Eastern Conference say, Finals. Mention- well, this team's made the Eastern Conference Finals three of the last four years. Mm-hmm. It's got a loaded roster, and and mm-hmm. of the playoff roster, so the twenty players that are on the roster, I believe Cedric Paquette is the only unrestricted free agent. 
So essentially, your whole roster can come back except him by your choice. There's a couple of restricted free agents that they sh- I don't think offer. JT Miller's one, and there's might be a couple others. But how many of those yeah, players but- are going to come back? And 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 then you got to start asking about coaching as well. You know, right? Well, are you satisfied with John Cooper's job, or and if you are him, some of the assistants going to change out because you're trying to make things better? Um, there will be changes. We know this about pro sports. There's always changes. And, 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 and Iserman's not afraid to make the tough change, and he's and he's pretty decisive when he changes. So, what changes come? And I, you know, I think there's going I think there's going to be more roster turnover than most people think. I think there's going to be some trades. Mm-hmm. Um, and who and how much goes because I, you know, they also have a loaded farm system that they want to start bringing people up too. So you got to clear some space for those guys too. So it's it's going to be an interesting off season because. They've been real close. I mean, they you know, they lost three of the last four years have been the Eastern Conference Final. They made it to the Stanley Cup one year and they lost in game sevens in the other two. They've lost in two game sevens, yeah. One to Boston, one to nothing. And Actually, every time every time the Lightning and five times the Lightning have been uh have a chance to go to the Stanley Cup final, it's always gone to a game seven. Yeah. I didn't hear every interview um after the game. I did hear Steven Stamkos, and I will say that he was crestfallen. You know, Stamkos has now been in this league 10, 11 years. Um, you know, been a, been one of the elite players, elite scorers at least, and the captain of this team that has done exactly what you've said, gotten close but no cigar. And, you know, his every hockey player from the time, you know, he laces them up at seven or eight years old or maybe even earlier than that, dreams of their name being on the cup. And that sort of legitimizes their career. Um, he's been a superstar but with no – Stanley Cup, you know, final success. And, uh, you know, he, it's the, the most, and this is true of all sports, but I think more so in hockey because it's just so hard to get to the Stanley Cup and win it. Um, but you tumble right back down to the mountain, you know. Only one team's going to lift it, and everybody else is going all the way back. And, you know, they dug themselves out after last year missing the playoffs. They started the season like a house of fire. Um, they, they took off and established themselves as, as, if not the best, but one of the best teams in hockey right off the bat. Um, Set all kinds of scoring. franchise records this year. Oh, yeah, just For a ton of franchise and points records. and scoring. So and this was clearly, you know, in the annals of, of Tampa Bay Lightning hockey, which is, what, 25 years or so? Mm-hmm. Um, 25th anniversary, they, so. Yeah, so this, this was, by all measures, maybe one of their best teams. Obviously, the best being the team that actually did got it done in 04, but, you know, uh, and they played that way. You know, it wasn't just on paper. I mean, they actually played that way, and they made the moves to fortify them before the playoffs and, and, and have, you know, have a team that was complete, and they didn't get it done. They came, they, they came again to a Game 7, actually had two chances, Game 6 and Game 7, and didn't win either of them, didn't score a goal. Didn't score a goal. That's got to eat. That's, a, that, that's what's good. You know, we, uh, we were talking up in the the press box before the game, and it was like, you know, look, game sevens are a crapshoot. You know, yeah, usually it's going to be a bounce here, a bounce there. You just you wanted a really good game, even if the Lightning were going to lose. You didn't want to see three nothing and then the empty netter making it. Oh, no, two one, yeah, no late goal uh, you know, by somebody. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and the fact that you know this high scoring team, the best. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Scoring team in hockey. Couldn't score for almost 160 minutes to close out the Something's series. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something's wrong there. Something is wrong there. I can't explain it. I don't think they'll be able to explain it, but they got to fix it. You know, it's going to eat at them. You know, until next year. Yeah, and 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 maybe beyond. Mm -hmm. You know, here's the thing about next year: it's not guaranteed, folks. No, nothing. Well, look at last year. Look at last year. Everyone thought for sure. You know, they went to the cup in fifteen. They you know lost in game seven to the Penguins in sixteen. The next year, oh, they'll make the playoffs. Right, and, and they came close at the end. I mean, they put on a heck of a charge for the last three months of the season to get within a point, but they missed. Yep. And every year, you know, even though you have the same core players or even the majority of all the players, every year is different, man. You don't know who's mm-hmm. getting hurt. You don't know what other teams are going to get better. Um, it, it's just everything is different. It really isn't, the, you know – as much as we like to say momentum carries over and, and good organizations win, and I believe that. I think that's why the Lightning have been, you know, to so many Eastern Conference finals and in, in, in a Stanley Cup um, recently is because I think they're a good organization. As long as Eisenman's in charge and Benick is the owner, I think they'll stay that way. They'll be competitive. They'll be back in, you know, probably back in this game again. Um, but it's not guaranteed. It really isn't because you don't know who's getting hurt next year. You don't know – Who's going to be traded next year? You, I mean, every team is different, and they got to find their own way um, because the roster is going to turn over. There'll be changes. That's what happens when you when you don't lift the cup. And um, I don't know, man. It just it was tough walking away, you know, from that building. My my, my kids experienced the the agony of sports for the first time in their lives. They had become huge hockey fans, which is cool to see. You know, my my two little girls. Um, because the Rays haven't had any success, and certainly the Bucks have not, but they watched sports, obviously, growing up in this family. And um, my oldest was she was crestfallen. I mean, she was you know she got to see what it's like to to root so hard for a team and then have it end so abruptly. And that's the thing about sports is that that's it, folks. You know, one team moves on and and uh, the season is over, and it's just that fast. So, um, but it was by by almost all measures, you know, it was a great run for the fans. Um, to be able to follow this team all the way, you know, to Game Seven, which is rare, and up till now they had done really well in those games. But, um, but yeah, it was it's uh, it's always always hard to uh, see the season end. So we'll get into what's going to happen, what we think is going to happen in the Stanley Cup Final between Las Vegas and Washington. Maybe most people probably don't care. There's going to be a lot of fallout. You know, I, I'm sure there'll be more uh, discussion with John Cooper about. Where you go from here? Yeah, the, the, the Lightning players and coaches will meet with the media tomorrow afternoon or Thursday, Thursday afternoon to the, later this afternoon uh, as mm-hmm. they clean out their lockers and stuff. So we'll hear a little more comments. They'll have a night to sleep on it. Um, and then, you know, get ready for the NHL draft is coming up in uh, June 22nd, 23rd in Dallas. Uh, free agency will begin on July 1st, which is also the time that uh, the team can uh, re-sign Kucherov and Vasilevsky and others whose contracts expire at the end of next season. You can start negotiating those deals on July 1st. So there'll be some uh, you know, interesting moves. The Lightning do not have a first-round draft pick this year. They traded that to get McDonough and Miller. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but could a trade happen where they trade back up there to get some more young players or – um, you know, what happens there, we'll see. So it'll be an interesting offseason as, you know, they're very successful, but, you know, does Eiserman think these are the right pieces or does he need to get some more and change out some things to get there? That's a great point about the trade because they, they gave up some real assets that they're not going to have now to help, you know, continue to build their farm system, although they're lucky because they've done a good job and it's well-stocked. And so there'll be a lot of players that um, that'll be moving up. and uh, But that creates change, whether it's, you know, Tyler Johnson. I mean, there'll be guys leaving. Uh, as well so we'll see we'll see over the next few days um, just what Cooper has to say what uh, Stevie Eisenman and and others Um, so make sure you check uh, in with this podcast about that and the lightning season may be over but the discussion is uh, maybe just beginning about what happens now in the future meanwhile speaking of future um, do the Rays have one (laughs) not against the Red Sox man that's the, the bad news is that they play the Red Sox 19 times. Uh, the good news is they're doing pretty well against everybody else. David Price, and this is the thing about the Red Sox, man. When they can throw Chris Sale, David Price, and um, Rick Porcello. who's the other side? You know, Rick Porcello. I mean, he had three side every every series. It's awfully tough. Price has pitched really well. Especially you mean they don't have an opener it. pitcher? No opener. No. They don't have that guy. Only the Rays have that guy. Hey, and we've got news you know? about that coming up next. Yeah, Sergio Romo. So Price pitched uh, really three hit ball. He allowed uh, just a run. He struck out nine. He was really, really good. Um, but it was 1-1 going into, what, the ninth inning, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess uh, Willie Adamas had an error, a throwing error. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, then Bogarts doubled in the left field corner off Alex Colome to drive in uh, J.D. Martinez. Um, and then there was a wild pitch, and then Eduardo Nunez drove in a run. So Boston rallies for three runs uh, in the ninth inning, and the Rays lose uh, 4-1 to one, uh, in that game. So uh, the good news, uh, I guess, uh, is that Chris Archer, I thought, you know, pitched pretty well. Uh, pitched but again, well, but you'd still like to see him a little more, be more pitch efficient. I mean, he went six innings, efficient. gave mm-hmm. up four hits, three walks, but took 95 pitches to do so. Yep. Yeah, so that's more but than fifteen him, pitches an inning. It's you know what, sixteen pitches an inning. That's more than that's more than your A should be pitching. Right, and yet it still was probably one of his better performances mm-hmm. against a really good lineup too. I mean, consider yeah. who and, he's, and a lineup that'll work to count against. and work you. Yeah, and he he uh, he he looked pretty good. So one run, four hits, and three walks and in six innings, striking out six. Here's a stat though that is blew me away when I when I read it uh, tonight, is that Archer has now won only one of his last 20 starts against the Red Sox. Think about that. Now, win-loss doesn't always tell the story, but, you know, I mean, we know that, you know, pitchers now, is, don't is always Is that control. Archer hasn't won or the team hasn't won? Archer has Archer, won. Okay, so the team may have won Only a few of those games. one of his last 20 starts against Boston. Wow. That's incredible. That's just an incredible number against a team that he sees as much or more than any team in the American League East. You usually play six series a year against them, so you could face them six times. Absolutely. I mean, some, maybe Absolutely. it's four or five times a year you end up facing him. Wow. One in his last 20. One win in his last 20. doesn't mean that, that the Rays only won once. It just means that he got the one win just once. That's incredible. In his last 20 starts. So, yeah, not so good for them. And, um, you know, I mean, where do they go from here? They got Is Baltimore coming up now? Is that what's next? They got the Red Sox again tonight at 7-10 at the Trop and then Baltimore this weekend. That's right. And now what's the news on my man Sergio? So Kevin Cash today said that Baltimore's got a very right-handed heavy lineup. He said mm-hmm. they could start Sergio Romo all three games against Baltimore. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. Let's do it. 
Let's do it. And Put then, them out and then there. Uh, Yarbrough would get the bulk of the work Friday, Bonda on Saturday, and Austin Pruitt on Sunday. But they may start Romo for all three games against Baltimore this weekend. This is awesome. It's awesome. He's like opening for like, uh, you know, for U2 or something. You know what I mean? It's great. It's like he's at every <laughs> concert, man. He's just go from road wait, to wait, road. Wait, wait, wait. You're calling Ryan Yarbrough, you know, <laughs> Bono? <laughs> yeah, right. I guess they're really in a Bono coming in behind him, unfortunately. But he's the opener. I mean, what would you call him? He's They call him the opener, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean. You have an opener and a closer. So closer ain't going very well. Maybe the opener can do better. Actually, Colin May has been uh, tonight withstanding. Uh, he's been actually pretty good lately, but he started rough. Yeah. Kind of inconsistent, but he got better uh, of yeah. late. Willie Adamas will be sent down um, for tomorrow because uh, Joey Wendell will come back from the paternity list. So, yeah, somebody has to have a baby. Anybody pregnant out there? <laughs> <laughs> come on, guys. <laughs> we got to get Adamas back up here. Apparently, he can only play when somebody has paternity leave, as it turns out. That kid's exciting. I know he made the big error, but uh, he's going to be, he's a player. Mm-hmm. He's going to be fun to watch. I think if you're a Rays fan, that's sort of what hey, you hope they get, you know, kind of fall and sag back under 500 again. But you hope that they kind of stay around that mark until, uh, you know, until those guys play enough games to where, you, you know, they get an extra year of control. And- well, we, we've talked about this, too, that, you know, it's exciting for Rays fans right now that in your minor league system, you have hitters that you're actually excited about seeing. In the past, it's yeah. always been this pitcher and this pitcher and this pitcher. Whether you know Chris position Archer players, and, man, and yeah. all these guys coming up, Alex Colomay and all these coming up. But you never talked about position players or hitters, specifically right. hitters. I mean, maybe Kevin Kiermaier for his defense, but right. you, you you know you've got Jake Bowers and Willie Adamas and Daniel Robertson's been a much better hitter than we even thought he ever would be. Although he really yeah, he re- changed his swing this off season and reworked it and and has become yeah. a much better hitter. Um, it's it's nice to actually have some excitement Matt, on the Matt, offensive Matt end Duff, of the ball. Matt Duffy's been swinging a good bat when mm-hmm. he's healthy, when he's not, you know, in yep. the China closet. Well, I mean, hey, look, I mean, this team has strung together more hits than I ever thought they could. Me too. I mean, you know, we talked about this going in the season. Is I thought the pitching would be good, the defense would be good, but the hitting just there's not enough of it to string enough hits together. Especially because they don't have a ton of home runs without the long team. ball. Yeah, yeah, without the long ball, it's you know, very and, difficult. And they, they've proven me wrong to this point through you know close to fifty games at this point. They've, uh, they, I was absolutely wrong on that. Yeah. So, well, we'll see how the Rays uh, continue this home stand. See how they do against Boston. See if they can take one against the Red Sox anyway. Um, and then I mentioned uh, at the at the start of the podcast uh, the NFL. Uh, look, I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> In the NFL, they do things a funny way, but they they had their meetings. Uh, I think they're in Atlanta, I want to say, and uh, among other things, they had to deal with this national anthem policy. So they came up with one. It's not my favorite of policy in the world, but uh, basically, what they're going to do is, if players uh, so choose uh, to protest, or in this case, um, you know, not stand for the national anthem, they they want them to remain in the locker room. Um, and it's essentially a policy now that you cannot do anything to protest uh, during the national anthem. And if you do so as a player, they're not going to punish the player. The team could do that, but the team will be fined by the by the National Football League. This one, this one, Steve, and the team, just, they, the team has the option to find a player, but the league cannot because that would have to the be collectively bargained. Correct. That that's correct. That's why the league has a broad authority to change their policies like this. 
because they're in, they're basically in charge of how what the game day operations are um, without much interference from the union. That's sort of their purview. But um, if you're talking about fines, that you have to collectively bargain some of that. And so that's why they decided to fine the teams. And I, I, I understand, like, you know, this was a decision that was based largely uh, a, a business decision so that they could, frankly, appease, a, you know, a large percentage of their fan base that had a big problem with this and uh, it may have been showing up at the, you know, at the gate a little bit and, and taking a hit in the ratings. And, and so they wanted to protect their brand and all that. Uh, that makes sense. Um, but I'm not sure they really, and I, I think they may have created more problems than they realize. Um, and I, I'm not sure in addressing it, they really addressed it properly. I think what happens here is that you've sort of created a policy but you didn't really fix anything because if I'm a player and I have enough sweat equity on a football team, in other words, I'm some guy, a quarterback perhaps, franchise guy, um, or, you know, let's take a rookie. Let's say you're Saquon Barkley, right, uh, or somebody like that, that they've got a lot invested in you, and you just decide, you know, I got a big problem with what's going on in the world, social injustice, what have you, whatever your reason is. And you go out there, and during the national anthem, you decide to take a knee or raise a fist. And that's the other thing. They didn't say, you know, it's not just like taking a knee during the national anthem. It's any demonstration uh, during that time, you're supposed to salute the flag and, and not do anything to, uh, um, to call attention to yourself or, or some cause. And so, you know, in some cases, maybe it's raising a fist. Maybe it's turning your back. Maybe it's whatever it is. It doesn't have to be kneeling, per se. There's no... It's arbitrary. It's an arbitrary whatever you did to, you know, to not stand for the national anthem or not salute the flag properly. Uh, you can be fined. And it's not the player unless the team finds them, but it's the team. So what happens now? What happens if, say, you know, this thing raised its its head again really during last season when, uh, you know, President Trump came out and, and referred to players as SOBs or something like that? And really, a lot of the teams backed their players' right to protest that week, and there were more protests than there had ever been uh, than when it was just Colin Kaepernick or somebody. Um, so what, what happens if that happens again? What if there's something so egregious in our society that, you know what, maybe, maybe the patriotic thing to do is to draw attention to it? And, and I'm not, you know, the funny thing is is that it was voted 31 uh, to nothing with one abstention by the San Francisco 49ers, which not surprisingly, that's where all this sort of began with Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed now is out there and can't get a job. Um, but, you know, uh, other owners, I think the New York Jets have said that they're going to pay whatever fine for their players. So it's kind of a team by team deal. Um, and I guess that makes sense because in certain cities, you know, Northeast, New York being one of them, maybe San Francisco, there's maybe more tolerance for social protests. Um, and so maybe that's not as big of a deal to that fan base as it would be to say in Kansas City. Um, so it's it's sort of going to be handled by each team, which I guess is sort of a regional solution to it. But it's not uniform. It's not going to get you off the news. Um, and you know, if people are looking at the NFL as a as a uh, larger entity rather than team by team, they're going to say, well, you really didn't address this because finding the teams, finding each other, is not. Now the teams. Then what happens? Let's say you have a player that's that doesn't have um, a lot of sweat equity. Let's say he's he's a he's a bit player, um, and he's causing your your ownership to get fined, and they're tired of it. They're going to cut the player. Um, 
it's their right to do it. Certainly, they're the employer. But and know, if, and if you're a player, the, you have to know that's a possibility. You do, but does that get you off the front page as a league? You know what I'm saying? Like, have you addressed the issue here? Are we are we going down a slippery slope that's really going to solve the problem, or did we just create more problems and more headlines? I, I don't. Th- I don't. I don't think there's anything they could have done that was not. I was going to get it off the front pages because because collective bargaining wise, they can't punish the players as far as like a right. fine in that. There's a lot of things they couldn't do without collectively bargaining it, which isn't going to happen right. at this point. Right. So I don't know. I don't know. You know. I I think what they're trying to do is. I, 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 look, I don't think the league. I th- I don't think the league has a problem with players protesting, and and raising awareness to whatever issues that they feel is that they need to raise the issues to. They just don't want it done during the anthem. I get that, and I I totally and, and get it's because that. And it's because their fan base, which you know, at the same time, it's the owner's job to protect the league and to protect, and part of that's the revenue side. Because if revenue slip for the league, the players are going to make less money too, and they're not going to be happy about that. You know, because the players get you know fifty some percent of the revenue. Well, so if the NFL is losing money, I mean, they're going to lose money too. So, but that's yeah. what the, that's what the the owners are trying to protect the league and they're trying and to protect their brand. the financial the financial interest yeah. of it. Absolutely, it's their business. I get it, but you know what? By the same token, there are certain things that uh, I think even players would would be willing to take a hit financially for. I mean, you know, that's what protest is. I mean, there are consequences. Well, Everybody but, but, but realizes that some players might be, some may not. And that's the other part of collective bargaining. It is are all players willing to do that? I don't know. And, and it's never really been asked. I mean, well, most players aren't protesting during the anthem. No, but some teams now um will be more permissible than others. So sure. as a league, as a league, I don't know that I, you know, that I differentiate between the Jets or the 49ers or the Chiefs. You know what I mean? If I'm reading about protests in the NFL and 75 or 80% of my um you know my employer, my employees and and you know football players are African American and um you know what am I going to do? Uh go find, you know, more non-African American players? I mean, what you know what I'm saying like you, they they this has to be something that is addressed um you know cuz they're they're partners as much as they are employees. They really are. The, mm-hmm. the NFL PA the players and the owners are partners. Sure, an owner never an owner never made a one handed catch in the end zone that people came to watch. Okay, they don't watch him sign checks. Um, so, you know, the product is still the players, and that's why it's a partnership, and that's why they split revenues almost almost equally. But um, in many ways, it's a large percentage that go to player costs. Um, so they're partners in this, and it, they but they both are stakeholders, and um, in this case. The NFLPA is not happy about what they did. Now they didn't have to consult them because, again, they're not fining the players. But I don't know. I, I do. I have a better solution. Maybe not off the top of my head. But then it's not my job, you know, for the last year and a half to try to figure out how to solve this problem. It's just, um, I don't know. It, it seemed it seemed like they punted. You know, <laughs> it just it kind of like yeah. Well, did they punt or is this all they could get done? Well, they can get done what they want to get well, done but, without. But, but, but there's certain parts what they you have to collectively bargain, so that's okay. Then off go the back table. in, go back in, and and then talk to the union and come up with a collectively bargained policy. What's wrong and, with that? And, well, they may still do that. I mean, just because you did this today doesn't mean you're not going to do something. Well, I have no idea. But, I mean, but you could have been doing it in the last year year or so, and I assume they haven't really tried that. But I would assume there's been conversations. Uh, how yeah, how serious and in depth and and how willing are either side to 
negotiate well, NFL, or even start collectively bargaining on this. I don't know. They've been talking because the NFL has made a huge contribution or is making a, a huge contribution to social awareness programs. You know what I mean? Like to to like, on the one hand, they they recognize that they they want to um, you know help continue to draw attention to social injustice when there is some, and and pay for players um, sort of. Uh, whatever whatever their cause is to to help raise awareness of that uh in other ways and so they they, they've you know put up money for that but um i don't know it's just it just struck me and so it wasn't nationally i don't think it was maybe the fans think it's good but nationally i i read a lot it wasn't all that well received by by various people had a lot of problems with it we'll see how it goes we'll see if that's the way it stays i guess we'll see if uh, president trump tweets on it this week I think Pence might have. I haven't read it yet, but I saw. I think I saw a headline where Pence had one word about it. So I don't know what that word is. Was maybe damn. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what it was. We'll have to look that up. Anyway, ah, that's a lot. Boy, what a night. Uh, man, it's so hard to believe the Lightning season is over that quickly, but uh, but it is. And we'll be talking about that all week as well. Training camp's just about three and a half months away. So. Yeah, I know. I got OTA. Well, that's the thing. Football is here. We got OTAs yeah. uh, again today. I'll well, be no, I was saying lightning training place. camp for lightning fans. Oh, them. Yeah, their, them their training camp. Uh, the rookie camp will start right after Labor Day. And then uh, the rest of the players will be in about a week or two after that. So it's a short off season when you get this far. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. Only only the Stanley Cup teams will, will have a shorter one. So, you know, they'll be playing hockey. But, man, you got to go all the way back down to the mountain. That's the thing, man. You get you climb, you, you go through a whole season of blood sweat and tears and you get right there and then you're just like everybody else but only one team can lift the cup so uh that's that's what they go i was trying to explain that that to my uh to my daughters that you know it's pro sports <laughs> i was using all the cliches they get paid too <laughs> so it was just yeah i mean that's, you know that's the other thing too is you know you sit there and you can complain about the lightning and what happened to Stamkos and Kucherov and everything else but remember there's another team on the, the other side of the ice that's pretty good and and they were mm-hmm. part of the reason that that the lightning struck maybe not the only reason but they were a big part of it cuz Washington played Whoa. very well in the series they did and they deserved it and when you get this far you're going to play really good teams and and they're a very good team and that's why they're in the Stanley Cup and and um you know my I think my daughter put it best she goes you know a lot of people are going to yell at the players they go what do you mean they're yell at the players where are they going to blame the players and they go but they played they did the best they could and that's just the way it goes and I go that's it you get it you get pro sports that's what it's about you put it all out there and then you have to learn how to kind of live with the results but it's not going to be easy for those guys um, in the near future. Anyway, we appreciate you guys uh, listening to us. Um, we're here every Monday, Monday through Friday, and we love the feedback on Twitter. We've been getting a lot of that. You can always reach us at Sports Day Tampa Bay, or it's actually at Sports Day TB. At Sports Day TB, you can reach me at NFL Stroud or my email address, rstroud at tampabay.com. Uh, I'd love for you guys to uh, rate and review this podcast. Where can they get this podcast, Steve? Anywhere you get podcasts, whether you're looking at iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, or any third-party podcast app, you can look. just do a search for Sports Day Tampa Bay, and you'll find it there. Or you can go to tampabay.com slash sports. The latest episodes are there as well. Despite the loss, try to have a great Thursday, everybody. I'm Rick Stroud for Steve Versnick. So long. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.